Welcome in everybody to another episode of the Crystal Basketball Podcast. Here with Rashad Landers. I'm Ethan Fuller. Episode eight coming right at you. Rashad, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. It's a great day in Arkansas, so just happy to be here. Absolutely. I mean, we were talking before the episode. Um, Arkansas baseball and softball are lighting it up right now, which is exciting. Um, as a BU softball fan, team that made it to the NCAA tournament, but then unfortunately lost. Um, good luck to the Razorbacks out there. Um, yeah, I guess just before we get diving into these prospects, um, what's caught your eye in general in the world of basketball recently, Rashad? Um, well, before we started this video, we had a conversation about overtime elite. Uh, I see a lot of you may know who follow basketball and high school basketball specifically. A lot of recruits are taking these pro routes and there's this new one called overtime elite. And um, we've seen two set of twins commit the Thompson twins. And I can't think of the other twins name right now, but they committed as well. And uh, Bryce Griggs, he has them in their in his top six, a five star player who I've followed a lot and talked to a couple of times. He has them in his top six or seven. So it'll be interesting to see is, is this overtime elite route a new actual wave that can get you to the NBA? Yeah, it's extremely interesting. Um, I mean, since we last did the podcast, I don't know how many of the G League recruits we had covered yet because you had um, Mike Foster, your guy, picks the G League route, um, Jaden Hardy, um, Fanbo Zhang decommits from Gonzaga to go to the G League route. Um, Scooter Henderson is the first non-senior I think that has joined the G League program so that'll be very interesting and then yeah you talked about um, Thompson twins and then the Bewley twins um, just kind of some very highly rated prospects that are making these kind of leaps to the pro ranks um, which is super interesting uh, don't know too much about what the overtime league and team actually looks like yet so TBD on what that looks like but they've already gotten four and great young basketball players. And then the G League Ignite program getting a bunch of other talented basketball players. So just something to watch as this kind of summer cycle of recruiting starts to ramp up. Um, but yeah, we're here today, uh, NBA draft breakdowns. We did a rapid fire episode about a month ago, but we're gonna start and get more in depth. So we've picked four prospects, all bigs. Um, we skipped Evan Mobley because a lot of people know about Evan Mobley. He's gonna get plenty of coverage. Uh, we picked a couple of other bigs that are going to, that are entering the draft. Um, some of them may or may not keep their name in, but all of them look like they're on team radars. And they're four very, very different big prospects, which I thought was the most interesting thing out of all of this. Um, we have Kai Jones, Dayron Sharp, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and Santi Aldama. Um, four bigs in very, very different situations with very, very different styles. Uh, we're going to talk about what their games are, how they might translate to the NBA, what we liked, what we think they need to get better on, just stuff like that. So today's a real nice, good breakdown episode, which is one we haven't done in a while. So uh, we'll start off. Rashad is super high on Kai Jones. Um, so I want to give Rashad the floor. Uh, Kai Jones, 6'11", kind of 4'5", big, uh, really athletic, went to Texas. Rashad, you can give us a scoop on Kai Jones to start. Yeah, so um, Kai Jones is a guy who I actually accidentally ran into when he first started playing basketball uh, around at Orlando Christian Prep, a school that he was on the team with Ronaldo Segu, uh, mid-major conference guy, Buffalo Bulls. 
And also Nasir Little, who's for the Portland Trailblazers, he played on that team as well. And Kai Jones was a 6'8 skinny guy, no skill set. He's only actually been playing basketball for five years. So it's kind of crazy to see him grow. We saw him at Brewster Academy where it's kind of he where he exploded and went to Texas. But when I look at him, I have no idea what his position is. Cause you say power forward and center, but you look at a guy with his skill set and his versatility, it's kind of crazy. Um, he's like not Giannis, not Giannis at all. Uh, he's very skinnier. I can see that Giannis-esque in the future. But Kai Jones, the versatility is what's carrying him. Uh, I've seen a lot of mock lotteries. He signed with Rich Paul. Uh, so, you know, that's his potential right there when you sign with the same guy that LeBron and all of those people are on. Uh, but this kid, he's not a shooter. Um, he, he shot about 28%, around 38, I think, uh, sometimes. Uh, he's not a great shooter. Uh, but his versatility, man, I've seen him. He can literally guard one through five. Some people stretch it. I see draft analysts all the time say this guy can guard one through five, when in reality they can only guard three through five. Kai Jones, uh, active hands, the length, uh, the mobility. And once he gets beats to recover, everything that has to do with versatility, this guy marks a check in it. That's what I get the biggest, you know, that's my biggest read from Kai Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, when I first dove into him for this episode, he's so fast, like just open court speed, um, off screens, like off cuts from the dunker spot. He is like otherworldly fast. And I, I don't really know how much to describe it other than like, if you watch a fast break and watch him be like the last guy and just pass everybody because he's running so fast to get that dunk. Um, it's crazy. He's just really fast. So that, that was what jumped out to me first. Um, as you mentioned, like kind of a natural, crazy athlete, uh, throws down a lot of really awesome dunks um, and can get there in two strides. I think the Giannis part that you're talking about is like his, his strides. He can cover a lot of ground, has a nice little Euro step that he kind of uses sometimes, which is kind of interesting for him especially like you said, only played five years at this point. Um, shooting, I think he was 13 to 34 from three. Um, there's promise there, but he's got a ways to go. Not really anything other than a catch and shoot threat at most right now with him. Um, but yeah, Kai, Kai Jones was crazy. And I did want to ask you before we get more into him, um, having seen him when he started playing basketball or around when he started playing, how much better is he or how much growth has he shown for you from when he, you first saw him play? Um, you can absolutely tell that he uh, learned to play the game more and more. You know, they always say you can't teach height when you're playing basketball when you're young, and that's how it was, just go rebound. Uh, but he found an identity for himself in just running and jumping, and then eventually he tried try to develop this jump shot, which is what he's constantly working on. But I'm going to be honest with you, this guy's 100% better than where he started. And uh, i kind of glad that you asked that question because it plays into about to talk about. There's times where you can still tell that he's only been playing basketball for five years. If you look at a couple of defensive reads, specifically when he's guarding the four or five on the post, uh, he tends to make a lot of mistakes there. And uh, But he makes up for it with him being able to guard multiple positions. But I'm going to be honest, when it's back to basket against him, it's most likely a score every time if you're a dominant big. Yeah. And I think um, that's just an interesting point about kind of taking a gamble on these guys that haven't played very long in general is that there's a lot of just 
experience with just guarding post players that he hasn't had for that long. Um, he's a real gambler and he makes a lot of great plays on the defensive hand, end with his active hands. Sometimes he just goes for a random steal out of position and gives up an open dunk for no reason when he just didn't have to do that. Um, and I think that's just a product of him not playing basketball very long. And I, and I think that's, oh, that's okay. I think it means that if you draft him, you're going to need to kind of give him some time, probably not in the G league. I'm a, I think he's strong enough and athletic enough to kind of be on an NBA rotation right now, but he's going to need some time to just kind of learn what it's like to see what NBA players do and where you're supposed to be in an NBA offense. Um, just going to take some time to do that. And I think that's okay. Yeah, you can definitely tell that since he's been with Rich Paul, he's working on his body. He looks way better than he did at Texas, even though they've only been up there for about a month or so. Um, but I think his shooting will be what determines his future. We know he can run. We know he can dunk. We know all the other things, the athletic ability, the versatility. We know all of that. But his biggest thing will be, can he develop that jump shot? Like you said, catch and shoot right now. But uh, we've seen him try to take off the dribbles in college or his jump shot tends to get a very it, – it gets very flat when he takes off the dribble. Don't know why. I think that's another thing that plays is the only playing basketball for five years. Um, but I think he's going to be a great prospect. Honestly, I think it's worth uh, – this is a potential draft with a lot of guys this year, Brandon, Boston, other names. But I think he's that one guy that could potentially be that next unicorn player in the NBA. Yeah, and I think that's what's most interesting to me is that – at the very minimum, you're getting someone who can run the floor like nobody else, just be a lob threat. At the very least, he's going like he can do that right now in the NBA. He can throw down dumps on people. Um, he can euro step by some people and kind of be a threat, and especially in transition. Um, and he just needs some time to get experience, and we could see him add more stuff into his game. So there's a lot to like with Kai Jones. Um, and for you, you've talked him up a little bit on the show before. And I know like there are some guys in the post top five lottery that you also really like Scotty Barnes, of course, but where would you put Kai Jones? Let's say after those top five and Scotty Barnes, where would you put Kai Jones? Um, I definitely think Kai Jones, me personally, I think he will get drafted uh, top 15 in the draft. The most potential is like uh, one of those top 10 ranges, maybe, uh, but I think this kid is no doubt a lottery pick. I'm seeing number 12 right now uh, to the Pacers as I look on NBADraft.net. Uh, so, like I said, he's a top 15 guy to me. But do I see him in that top eight? Not sure at all. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, I mean, you mentioned the Pacers. You mentioned Miles Turner. Um, just wanted to ask first, because now we've seen, assuming he goes kind of in the lottery, uh, let me just pull this up one second. I just want to make sure that I have this right. Um, yeah, so between Miles Turner going back to Texas, Mo Bamba at Texas, um, Jackson Hayes at Texas, potentially Kai Jones now at Texas. Um, and those those bigs are all pretty different in their own ways. But where do you think Kai Jones slots in between those past Texas players and him now? Um, I think he's still behind all of those guys uh, just because he's has more of that potential draft in them. Those guys, you kind of knew what you were getting with them, but mm -hmm. Kai Jones, he's still, you know, a working project. Um, but I think that goes into say that tech is Texas big man university. Uh, is that something that they can cling their head on? 
Um, that's very interesting. Uh, I think I don't understand how Texas doesn't get more, you know, of the top bigs. I think they should be in a uh, conversation for Jalen Duran, who's number two uh, in the Imani Bates class. Mm-hmm. I want to see him go to Texas, uh, you know, with this big man trend that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's a lot of, it's really interesting because Texas has done pretty well, at least setting these guys up to get drafted into the NBA with like a lot of these crazy athletes, like um, Miles Turner, maybe less so, but he was really strong, more of a skilled player, but Mo Bamba was just this like crazy shot blocker, really long, kind of a unique athlete, Jackson Hayes, high flying dunker. And then Kai Jones in a similar way to Jackson Hayes, just like a crazy speed demon athlete dunker kind of guy. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting comparison. Um, I guess my last thought on Kai Jones, as far as NBA fit, um, you don't have to name a specific team, but what type of, like what needs does a team have to have that he can help fit? Um, I think it's a team that needs a versatile four. Uh, I don't see him playing D5 and the NBA at all, unless he becomes a superstar and kind of plays that Giannis and Katie role where we see those two guys play the five for their team. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he's a four, sometimes a three. I would love to see him with a Denver Nuggets type team who has a lot of those unicorn type projects. Like you look at Bobo, Jokic. There's a lot of guys over there in Denver. Uh, but any team right now that's in desperate need of a player that can just just run and be have a high motor energy, I think he'll fit with them right now. Yeah, absolutely. There, I, I'm just looking at um, looking at Tankathon right now. Obviously, the lottery changes a bunch of stuff, but teams in this eight to thirteen range that I think are really interesting. Um, the Charlotte Hornets, I think, is a really, really interesting fit. Um, if you're going to have a guy like Lamelo Ball throwing down, throwing up passes for a guy like Kai Jones, um, they need some help at the center spot beyond having Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo as like specialist guys. Um, so maybe he's worth a shot for them. Uh, the Pacers, as you mentioned, have done a pretty good job molding their centers. They're deep because they have um, the tandem of Turner and Sabonis, and then you have Goga Bitadze off the bench. But that's a good fit. Um, the Wizards at 15 could be another interesting one, depending on how they feel about Thomas Bryant coming back and then Daniel Gafford. Um, anyone sticking out for you there? I like the Hornets fit the most uh, because the Hornets is one of those teams I watched a lot during the year because they're one of the younger teams. I like the younger teams in the NBA to see guys oh, that too. I've watched since high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you could, if you throw him with a guy like LaMelo, uh, his energy, I think he'll actually, he wouldn't be as impactful, but it would be fun to see if we saw a lineup with uh, Jalen McDaniels and Kai Jones on the court. And instead of, you know, Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo, who's kind of like the traditional sim- centers, just get the job done type centers. If you can add a guy like Kai Jones with that firepower and that potential at the five, uh, the Hornets, instead of losing the play in, they could be in the playoffs this year. Yeah, that's really interesting, that pairing, because, I mean, McDaniels is a pretty versatile defender already, and he's only in his second year. And then Kai Jones, as you're saying, you think he can – get to that level where he can be a versatile defender, both of them being kind of like interior dunk lob threats. That would be a fun, that'd be a fun pairing. Um, so yeah, that's Kai Jones. Any, anything else about Kai Jones that you think is worth talking about? Um, I just want to say that anyone who gets Kai Jones, you're getting a good kid. Uh, he's not very social media active and uh, he's not a dirty player at all. All of his game comes from passion. If you watch him, he screams a lot. 
So I just don't want people to think that he was cocky or anything. He just loves the game of basketball. Ashton's always good, especially considering that he's kind of jumped right in for not having played very much. That kind of passion and confidence is good. Um, so yeah, that's Kai Jones, kind of a mid to late lottery guy. Definitely keep an eye out for him, probably unless I'm missing a name and depend, not considering Scotty Barnes as a big, Kai Jones probably the second big off the board in this draft behind Evan Mobley, which is interesting. Um, we'll move on to another guy, um, kind of slide a little bit down here to Daron Sharp, uh, 6'11 freshman out of UNC, who was someone that I took a look at and who I picked for this show. Um, really odd, interesting, big. Uh, came from Montverde Academy with Cade Cunningham and that entire, that starting five of what's going to be NBA players with Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Moses Moody, Caleb Houston, Daron Sharp. I, that's got to be the single greatest high school lineup of all time. I don't, I don't know how you get any better than that. Um, but anyway, Daron Sharp um, didn't get a whole lot of recognition playing with all these guys. People saw him as pretty much just like a play finisher, rebounder at Montverde. That's what I thought he was at UNC. But he was pretty interesting this year. Only played about 19 minutes per game. Um, what really stands out to a lot of people is his passing as a big um, which is kind of a unique skill for a big to have polished at this stage. Um, good high-low passer, can pass in transition. I think he's gotten a lot of credit for being that high post passer, but I think he can do more than that um, and that UNC just didn't really allow him to show it all. Uh, also a great rebounder inside. He's 265 pounds, 7-1 uh, wingspan, um, pretty strong as a freshman, finished 60% of his attempts at the rim, um, not a shooting threat at all. And that's going to be the, the big concern is that you are not getting that. He made 50% of his free throws, took two threes and missed them both. Um, that's just probably not gonna, ever going to happen for him. So if that doesn't happen, what are you getting from him? You get, re, you get a pretty good rebounder. You're getting an exciting passer. Um, but also you're going to need to make it up by being a rim protector on the defensive end. And I don't know how much he brings that. He's a pretty good defender on the perimeter as far as bigs of his size go, but didn't block a whole lot of shots. Um, it's, he's just such an interesting player because you don't really know if a team is going to be willing to take the bet on the passing and the fact that he's going to need some time to develop. Um, Cause he's not, he's, he's not really a traditional big. He's not really a modern big. Um, just somewhere in the middle. So what do you think about Dayron Sharp? Yeah, I think Dayron Sharp, uh, he's a guy that I got introduced to it once he joined Montverde. Before then, I didn't know pretty much about him. I knew he was always a five-star player. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a guy that can easily go get 18, which is what we saw in North Carolina. Uh, but like you said, I don't know if he's a four or a five or, you know, what exactly he is. But I know he's a very great player. And you can't go wrong with a great player. Um, I think – and in North Carolina, you're going to get overshadowed when you're big. There's going to be five bigs on the North Carolina roster. Everyone has to remember that. So that's what I think about Daron Sharp. Yeah, I think he got he got kind of boxed in with how many bigs, like you said, North Carolina had. Um, one thing that I noticed, and I think I buy him a little bit more than some other people do on this end, is I do think there's room for him to develop kind of a game out of the post. He has a really nice kind of baseline spin move that he uses, um, can kind of explode out of that, which is interesting at his size. Um, very tough inside, 
um, high motor battles all the time. And I think that's going to be good. Um, questions really just come down to like, is he going to have enough of a post game where he's a threat there and can pass out? So with Dayron Sharp, um, he's kind of all over the place on a lot of boards. I've seen a lot of people high on him. Sam Bassini of The Athletic, from what I've read, really loves him. Um, probably a first round guy, if I understand correctly. I'll have to check his most recent big board, but he really likes Aaron Sharp. Other guys, I listened to um, the Prospect podcast last night, and they were pretty scathing on Aaron Sharp for good measure, too. Like it's, he's, he's a very um, tough to grade big who needs a very specific situation to be successful and hasn't shown a lot that kind of warrants it. It's, it's tricky. Um, I believe in him developing enough of a post game that he is drawing defenders and can make passes, or at least like defenders are giving him attention and then he can make a pass out of that. Um, he's only a freshman, um, plenty of time to develop. I think the ultimate question for you, and I guess I'll ask you this is with, with there being so many talented bigs in the league, is it worth it to use, let's say a late first round pick on a guy who is going to take two to three years to develop and probably won't be a shooter. Um, I would definitely say it's always worth it uh, with any player uh, just to see what happens, you know, mm -hmm. and with the amount of talent in the league right now and underrated players as well, you can always uh, recover yourself. And it's kind of funny how we mentioned the Pacers earlier and on the same mock draft, uh, net they have Sharp as the Pacers' second-round pick. Uh, so that's very interesting to see. Um, I, I, honestly, I'm getting a Dwight Howard, like, now, and a maybe Isaiah Stewart-type comparison. Uh, mm. And, you know, you see Stewart's in Detroit right now, I believe, and he's had a great rookie year for what was expected out of him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Sharp kind of explodes kind of how Stewart did. And people didn't expect Stewart to do anything, you know, huge this year. And he played a way above average and way above what was expected. So with these type of guys, you honestly never know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And one thing that I've heard talked about is that he needs like a elite score at the four to kind of open things up for him. Um, and so that brings me to like, let's say you're, let's say you're the Lakers. And you're in win you're in win now mode, but you've shown you're not afraid to kind of draft developmental guys like Taylor Taylor Horton Tucker, um, guys like that. Do you, assuming you're at pick like 28 to 30, do you take Dayron Sharp and think, okay, um, we have Anthony Davis as a guy who, for whatever reason, wants to play the four. He's the power forward there. Um, he is an elite elite scorer is Daron Sharp someone that we can kind of groom up to be um, a center who can kind of thrive off of that, get rebounds like we've seen Andre Drummond do in the playoffs, but then also kind of be more of a passer and more a facilitator. Andre Drummond's been kind of a black hole in the postseason. Um, can Daron Sharp kind of be a better fitting center next to Anthony Davis? And is it worth that for them? Yeah, I think that's actually – that will actually be a great pickup for the Lakers. Uh, if you look at their bigs, you know, Drummond – uh, he's finally he's finally coming along, trying to find himself in the offense and defense as well. Mm -hmm. And then you got Marcus All, who's a defensive liability, but he was a excellent passer, excellent shooter on offense. And then 
you know, after that, it's kind of who else for the Lakers do it. They'll have the AD at the five lineup. I think we saw Kuzma at the five a little bit the last game. I think you bring in a guy like Sharp and you say, let's put this young guy in there with these older guys and let's provide a spark and a guy that may have the ability uh, to play the defense the, the way we want to play it. So I think a pickup uh, like Sharp for the Lakers would actually be a great pick. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, just that he'll have if you put him in an environment, I mean, Drummond and Gasol for each of their own flaws are two experienced veteran bigs who are really good at some specific skills, skills that they have. So that could be helpful. Absolutely. I'm just trying to look through every, any of my notes, see if I missed anything. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it on Daron Sharp. Um, any other thoughts you have on him? Um, I think he's another case. He doesn't talk a lot. I've never seen him very active. Uh, in the social media aspect. So I think he's another guy that you're just going to get a basketball player, a hardworking guy. And uh, I think he'll be interesting to see how his future turned out since, you know, it's kind of an upside thing right now with him. Yeah, I agree. And I think that while, while we've kind of talked about how it is a, a bit of a strange set of skills that he has together, um, there's absolutely a place where if, if the right team picks him and he's in the right environment, he could really thrive in a unique way. So that's interesting. Um, Next up, we've got Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Villanova sophomore, um, kind of a do a little bit of everything, or at least that's what you want him to be able to do. Um, four, uh, versatile guy. Um, Rashad really likes him, so I'll let Rashad break him down. Yeah, I made a tweet before the episode saying that this may be the most fundamental guy in the draft. And uh, when mm -hmm. watching him, Man, I swear I can just see a smaller Tim Duncan all the time. I watched him in high school. He was a five-star player. You see these five stars in high school. They're doing these flashy things. Mm -hmm. And then you had him at IMG Academy who's, like, doing everything the right way but still giving you 18 and 12. Goes to college, nearly averages a double-double if he didn't, I believe. And he's 6'9 with a 6'9 wingspan. This is one of those fours. I'm getting very Paul Millsap vibes, Tim Duncan vibes at the four. A guy who just as much as he can do everything right and the right way, uh, there's a couple of flaws that mainly is athleticism. But when you're so fundamentally sound and so willing to learn, a kid like this, he will go on any team today in the NBA, and he can automatically provide a winning atmosphere and add to a winning culture, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. That was, that was something I noticed. I mean, you talked about the fundamentals, but just that he, um, particularly on the defensive end, seems like he's going to be helpful uh, in a lot of ways, um, he can guard on the perimeter. He's he's very good at that, very good at moving his feet. Um, if he gets beat, he doesn't have the length to recover necessarily, but he's not in that position very much, which is good. Um, he finished 73% of his shots at the rim, which is great. Like they, they used him, Villanova used him as a little bit of a dunker, like off-screen roll threat, which is good. Um, some, somewhere he's shown he can be effective. He's not an elite athlete, but he can get up and dunk, um, which is nice. He's pretty tough, um, 230, he's, so he's well built out. Um, like you said, he's very smart. I think there's a little bit of passing to unlock there for him too that we didn't get to see much of, but I think he's a good passer. Um, for me, it all comes down to him being able to be a three-point threat. And his shot looks fine. Um, he only made 28% of his threes this year which is not good, but um, it looks pretty good off the catch and he can make his free throws. 
So that's the type of situation where I buy him getting into an NBA rhythm and being able to knock down threes. I think he can do that. So I think he's really interesting because if he unlocks that, all of a sudden you're talking about like a 3D Roman makes positive plays on offense, isn't going to make negative plays on defense. Like every team wants that. Yeah, this kid could be a Swiss Army knife, man. Uh, like you were saying, with his jump shot, I actually looked uh, deeper into that. And I noticed, uh, as I talked about fundamentals, mm-hmm. when he actually squares his body, he's always ready to shoot, hands ready. But when he squares his lower body and steps into it as the one-two formation, that's when he made most of his shots. Instead of, you know, not being ready or dribble pull-up or just a rush three, when he actually got his base set, hands ready, one, two into the shot. He actually made most of those threes. So I think uh, with the extended NBA line and working with the right NBA shooting coach, it could be more consistent, but everything else kind of makes up for, you know, what he lacks. And that's why he's just such a great player overall. Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, that's a great point. Just look at a guy like Bobby Portis, who was not a three-point threat and now is still basically only catch and shoot, but he can do it really well. And the Bucks. The Bucks, for example, put him in positions where he can hit those kind of easy catch and shoot threes. Um, so you mentioned like he he might only be able to get into his shot a certain way, but you can kind of make that work for him because he's not like he's not going to run your offense. He's he's going to be a complimentary guy on offense, but you can kind of put him in positions where that's going to work for him. So that's interesting. I think that's a really interesting point you make. Um, and then overall. Um, I guess my, my other question that I had written down is, do you think that his defense is going to work in an NBA environment that is much more spacing, much more kind of guards have room to turn the corner and beat you? Um, do you think he's able to still be a very positive defensive player? Yeah, well, when you look at Jay Wright's system, uh, it plays defense like most NBA defenses where everything is switch switch it no matter what, your man score, your man scores. Uh, we saw Robinson Earl on six foot to six three guards all year, which is the NBA, they're going to be a little bit bigger maybe or they're going to be the same height. They're definitely going to be quicker. But uh, his ability to just be able to slide and contest instead of try to slide and block. Uh, like I said, man, this kid's fundamentals – especially when he actually squats and sit in a defensive position. I think no matter who it is, it's hard to get past him and it's going to be hard to score against him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so he's, he's really interesting in that way. Um, where do you, where do you think his range is? I feel like I've seen it mostly as just general, like mid to late first round. Yeah, I'm getting that mid to late first round, uh, early second. I don't think he goes past 40. Um, I think he's definitely a top 40 player, honestly, top 35, in my opinion. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him go as high as maybe 23. Yeah. Uh, who's, let me see, who's at 23? Um, the Portland Trail. Oh, actually, the Rockets. Um, Blazers gave their pick to the Rockets. That'd be an interesting. I think people forget that, obviously, like Robinson Earl is a very fundamentally sound player. And I think a lot of people think his upside or his development's limited because he's not an elite athlete. He's only a sophomore. Um, he's not, he's not like this four year college guy who has basically shown us who he is. He can, he still has plenty of time to develop his strength, to develop uh, more of a post game from a skill position, um, develop the jump shot. Like we've talked about, there's 
there's plenty of room for him to grow based on his age, which I think is more exciting. Um, I'm going to give you, let's see, I'll give you three teams in the late first round that I think would be a good fit and you can pick the best one. So just looking here, um, Brooklyn at 27 could be really interesting. Um, let's keep going ahead here. Uh, you have the Suns at 29 and Utah at 30. Do you like any of those? I think I like the Suns and Utah the most. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at the Suns, they like those guys at the four. Uh, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, guys that are 6'6 and 6'8. You can slide Mikael Bridges down there at times. Another Villanova guy. I was going to say. Uh, so uh, you look at it, I think the Suns will be a perfect fit where they play him at that four position, maybe as a backup five, two, as they're struggling. Uh, Kaminsky shows flashes. He shows great minutes. But honestly, after Aiden, it's kind of blank at that five spot. Uh, so you put a guy like Robinson Earl up there to switch your offense up where you can be spreaded more when he's off the floor. And with Utah, Utah is kind of like the modern day Spurs. As you see, the Spurs are kind of going through not what they used to be. And you see mm-hmm. another fundamental team like Utah kind of picking up the slack. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him with either one of those teams as he's definitely their top player. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, anything left on Robinson Earl that we missed? No, I think we covered everything. The fundamental guy. Yeah, the fundamental guy. I think, um, and the last point, like if he if he is this guy who we think he is, I feel like getting him in the late first is a steal. Like a guy that you know absolutely is going to be in your rotation. And he's not he's not like Grant Williams, but he's similar in that way. Like for this, when the Celtics drafted Grant Williams, I thought like, okay, you're not drafting a future All Star in Grant Williams, and I think you know that, but he is going to be a positive in your rotation. And I think in the playoffs, we're starting to slowly kind of see Grant Williams come around and that just sets you up for things to come. So not the same player, but I think a similar circumstance where like you're, you know, you're getting someone that is going to help your team win. Um, yeah. And I'm happy to see these younger guys getting a chance in the playoffs too. You know, that NBA, you know, for younger guys to play in the playoffs, no matter how good they are, you know, trust your older guys. As you see, the young guys are killing it right now. Yeah. I mean, we were talking off air about Romeo Langford, who we are both fans of. So Romeo Langford played 25 minutes. I mean, different, different subjects. Big Romeo Langford fan. Um, <laughs> so that's Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, we're going to head to our last guy. Uh, I am biased here as someone who spent the last three years covering Patriot basketball at Boston University and someone who's very sad he never got to see this guy play in person um, for a crazy kind of coincidental set of circumstances. Um, Santi Aldama is awesome. Um, One of two Patriot League guys who I'm really fired up about entering the draft this year, but specifically with Aldama, everyone knew beforehand when he won MVP of the U18 European Championships and somehow was going to Loyola, Maryland. Uh, I'll have to look up if they have ever produced an NBA player, but goes to Loyola, Maryland. Uh, didn't play most of the first half of his freshman year, felt it out at the end of his freshman year, comes in sophomore year. I think it's one of two players. He might be the only one, one of two players in D1 to average 20 points, 10 rebounds and a block per game. Um, 6'11", 
long, probably going to be a stretch five. Maybe he can get away with him at the four, but he is awesome. And I'm going to go to bat for Santi Aldama because he is a diamond in the rough of kind of the low major, mid-major level. Um, what are your initial thoughts before I go crazy about him even more? Yeah, so my first time hearing about this guy uh, was from Ethan uh, officially. <laughs> I did watch one of his games earlier, like I told Ethan. And uh, I didn't know who he was, but I saw him uh, killing it on the court. Uh, when I research guys, I start off by looking at their stats. And I see the improvement of his freshman year to his sophomore year. So I start off there. Then I go to the tape. And uh, this is a guy who kind of just has that feel for the game, as most European players do. But when you add a European player that has that Europe feel for the game and then the ability to score, uh, these are the guys who you see running the NBA right now. If you watch Luka Doncic, he came in with a feel for the game. Now he's just scoring. Um, that's what Aldama can be. I think a Sabonis type player, uh, not with the game. He plays way looser than Sabonis, but that was my biggest comparison. Yeah, Aldama um, is crazy because he has legit NBA range. And he made, so he made 36% of his free throws, which isn't fantastic. He was very streaky at Loyola, Maryland. Um, but you just watch some of the shots he's making and it's a good like five or six feet behind Loyola, Maryland's three-point line. It, it's just crazy. Some of these shots that he's pulling up um, can do catch and shoot, can kind of do like a one-two dribble pull-up, uh, had some flashes of step backs, um, just crazy. Uh, he had this one game that I watched. He had 33 points. I think he made his first 11 shots against Army, which again, that's, I mean, that's the biggest question mark ultimately is Santi Aldama was 6'11", 215, which doesn't sound that big. He was probably one of the like four or five biggest common rotation players in the Patriot League. Like the Patriot League doesn't recruit seven foot big men. Uh, I think there's probably one per year in the Patriot League. Uh, most guys are like six eight to six ten. So Santi Aldama is big by that standard, but what does that mean against the NBA? So that's a question mark. Um, just runs the floor very well. Um, kind of a sneaky good ball handler. Uh, can kind of beat, again, Patriot League guys off the dribble. Um, Patriot League is like your kind of traditional low post bigs most of the time. So Santi Aldama in this conference is just such an aberration from everything else you're getting in the Patriot League, where it's traditional kind of like back to the basket, hustle on the glass, like tough, tough, strong guys, not very like long or tall. Um, and Santi Aldama is just so different. Um, so ridiculous range, handled the ball well, initiated the offense a lot, which is unusual for the Greyhounds, um, showed some good passing, but he's got to be disciplined there, um, kind of can block shots. Um, just the stuff he has to work on is being a little bit less streaky, um, just generally getting into more of a rhythm and knowing what his role is at whatever the next level is, and then um, just building strength. He's only 215 pounds. Um, he's not like a physical player. He's more of a finesse guy. So that's all stuff you got to watch with him, but he is such a, everything you want in a modern, he's everything you want in a modern center. And it really just depends on how much was that augmented because he's playing against kind of a more traditionalist Patriot league team. 
Yeah, um, if Colgate is in the Patriot League, I gained a lot of respect for the Patriot League. Let's go. Uh, watching them play uh, Arkansas. Um, it's interesting. I think these low major guys, any of them any day, can be just as good as the high major guys. These are a lot of guys who just didn't get the opportunity as others. Mm-hmm. And um, as you see, uh, mid-majors are starting to take value in their players as we see a lot of mid-majors not agreeing to play the high majors this year. Uh, they viewed it as an evaluation of their players for high majors to recruit in the transfer portal. Uh, so as much as people are disrespecting the mid-majors, I think they're gaining a lot of respect, especially now with the new transfer portal rules and stuff like that. So we're lucky that Santee is actually going to the draft instead of another school, where I think in any Power 5 com- conference, he can easily average 15 still. Yeah, I think um... – yeah, he would be he would be coveted by a lot of high major teams, but and and no shade, like you said, no no shade to the Patriot League. Um, I I covered them for three years. There are a lot of ridiculously talented basketball players. Um, I'm sh- sure that I'm gonna make I'm gonna force us to talk about Jordan Burns in a different segment because I love Jordan Burns. But the Patriot League is extremely talented, like a lot of other mid majors are. They just play kind of a different style than what. And maybe that's just a college game in general too, but just their style of play is very, very different than the NBA. So that's going to be an adjustment if he gets drafted. Um, And then speaking of that, his range is kind of TBD. I've seen, again, Sam Vecini, who I read a lot, has mocked him in the early 40s. Um, I remember at the height of his powers in like February and March, Aldama was ranked as a potential first round guy on some big boards, which is kind of, as a Patriot League fan, that's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but he also is so, I feel like unknown as far, maybe this is kind of like national media bias, but he's so unknown that he could very easily go undrafted. And at this point, he's probably, you're probably starting him in the G League because he's very raw from a strength standpoint. Um, and just seeing what he looks like with a shooting from there. Um, I don't, I don't know. I understand. I know he's kind of quieter, but where, if you were a GM, where would you feel comfortable gambling on a guy like Aldama? I'm um, definitely in that 40 to last pick range. Uh, not saying uh, that's bad or anything, but this is definitely a guy that I believe will end up on the NBA roster uh, drafted or undrafted. Uh, when you look at the skill set, the versatility, everything like that, and just the ability to put the ball in the hoop is what a lot of teams need nowadays. So I'm definitely getting that 40 to 60 range. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, I think um, I'm going to have to think more about team fits with Aldama because he is just such an, such an interesting, interesting player. But I'm telling you, um, this guy is um, maybe like – I don't know how to do a player comp for him. Maybe it's like Maxi Kleber with more ball handling or someone like that who is just like an extreme catch and shoot guy, but also can do more for your offense. I don't know. I don't, he's, he's so unusual um, and such a good player. I'm telling you, if you can find Loyola Maryland film out there, watch it and watch <laughs> him because he's awesome. Um, so that's Santiago Dama. Yeah. I think he uh, another name to throw out there is the guy from the Thunder, uh, Alexi Pokaszewski. Is that how you say Poku. it? Poku. Uh-huh. I think that's another name uh, or another guy that I kind of compared him to. 
Yeah, he's, I could see that. He's a little bit like Poku without the ceiling that Poku has. Like some, there are people who, and, and I'm tentatively among them, who think Poku is potentially like a game-changing Giannis level type of game changer. And I don't, I don't know if I'm all the way there, but I think he's going to be a potential star on the Thunder, which is very risky considering he had probably the worst statistical season among any NBA player this year. But Aldama is a lot, <laughs> Aldama is a lot like that in the way that he like can handle the ball, can shoot it. Um, he's not really an off dribble guy like Poku, but he can like shoot really well, super skinny and you don't really know how he fits, but he hit talent alone. He's, he's worth the, he's worth the bet. Um, so that, un unless you have any more thoughts on Aldama, I think that wraps us up with him. Um, yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Okay, cool. Um, I, I guess my last thought, um, unless something else comes up that you want to talk about, um, we've talked about four bigs that are extremely different um, who are all on NBA radars. We've talked about Kai Jones as an athletic, um, like leaper, um, finisher, potentially versatile, big on defense and a shot blocker. We've talked about De'Ron Sharp as a passer, as a rebounder, as kind of a unique ball-moving guy. Uh, we've talked about Robinson Earl for his versatility again and his kind of jack-of-all-trades situation, and then Aldama for his shooting, um, what he can bring on offense, and just like his unique nature. So they're, they're four very different bigs. Um, so I was wondering for you, what skills do you value in a big, whether that's at the NBA level or even just like someone who's going to be successful in whatever league they go on to play in? Like, what are your, what are your top traits that you, if you built a prospect, a center prospect, who, what would you want them to have? Well, yeah, as I look at, as I watch basketball and play video games and stuff, I'll look at it as I've never really liked the traditional five. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's why a lot of people, uh, they're, my fascination with Scotty Barnes is that he's 6'9 and can do everything. I'm a guy that if you're anywhere between 6'8 to 6'10, mainly to be able to guard guards, so be able to switch, which like I said, in NBA, it's a lot of pick and roll. So, and one of the easiest options to do is just switch it. So if you can just be versatile, knock down open shots and at least just finish layups, you don't have to dunk everything. Just be able to finish in general. I think that's my type of big man prospect that I would look for. Okay. So switchability is important. And I think I'd agree with that. Um, I would probably add shooting at least off the catch. And I would probably add, I'd probably add an element of like just general shot blocking inside. Um, it's probably where I would start. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, just to kind of see like where today's bigs line up with that, where they don't as they're, as you're entering the draft. Um, so, yeah, I think that wraps up our breakdowns for these four guys. Um, don't really know what our next plan for the breakdowns are. We might have some more bigs on tap. Maybe we'll move to wings guards. Um, we'll see what we think about, but anything else just in general basketball that you wanted to talk about before we sign off. Um, I just want to say that basketball, uh, enjoy the NBA right now for all of us who rarely watch the NBA. Uh, I've been watching it since the playoffs started. It's great basketball during the playoffs. 
you see a lot of passion. But uh, don't forget, college is right around the corner. Uh, there's some great grassroots action going on right now if you want to see top prospects. I think the biggest thing in high school right now is the number one and number two players on the nation are on the same AAU team, uh, Imani Bates and Jalen Duran. So uh, if you want to see the future, uh, check out Team Final. They're from Pennsylvania, EYBL program. And also the EYBL is having a bubble this year uh, instead of multiple sessions throughout the summer. They're going to do a bubble that involves the boys and girls team. So that's some of the biggest high school moves we've heard recently. Mm-hmm. That's going to be really interesting. And is it Pangos that's coming up pretty soon, right? Yeah, as you see, a lot of kids are announcing their Pangos invites. It's going to be a big uh, camp. Uh, players in the multiple classes, top players, they all combine at a camp where you see open runs and drills. But the main fascination is to open runs and see the different connections of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, definitely have to watch that. I know that's going to be on Baller TV. So I'm going to try and watch that. Maybe we'll have an episode about it. I think that's early June, if I have that right, like maybe June 6th or something. Um, so we'll have to check on that. But otherwise, that's your update on the high school scene, which as Rashad said, when it gets to AAU season, that's when the frenzy starts. And it's really exciting on a lot of levels just to see um, as this phase of prospects kind of cycles out with Chet Holmgren, with Patrick Baldwin, Paolo Manchero and all them cycle out who's coming up next um, is always exciting. So once that gets kicking off, we'll probably be back to talk a little bit more about that along with the draft um, as we keep doing our player breakdowns. Um, but yeah, I think that covers everything. Um, for Rashad Landers, I'm Ethan Fuller. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for episode eight. We'll be back again soon and have a great rest of your day.